there's a lot of restaurateurs and, and that have great places that have been doing it for 20 years or more, whatever. And just doing that is, it's hard. And it, it, sometimes you don't want to say, let go, but you know what? Sometimes it is time for folks to move on and say, hey, it's just the fates talking. It's time to hang up the apron. Let's let somebody else do it. Let me go, you know, live my life. Welcome to Buy Sci-Fi Bite-Sized Finance. I'm Kelly Brothers. I'll be your host serving up some of the most succulent stories from our region about people, places, and things that impact our community and your financial well-being. Our goal is to learn, think, and even laugh a little bit. Delivered right to your kitchen table, your dining room, or wherever you choose to listen. My guest today... Adam Peckle, noted chef locally, who has pivoted during this pandemic and opened up what are known as ghost kitchens. Adam, how do I identify you now? You are, you're a ghost kitchen entrepreneur, clearly, but what brand are you associated with? Would you well, say? I mean, I guess that is a really, that is the question of the day. So I, I'm associated currently with the restaurant Tiger. And we're running that as the ghost kitchen. And for those that aren't real familiar, I mean, it's a pretty new term. And we are, we're not exactly even a traditional ghost kitchen, but I think it's the best thing to call us right now. And it's, it's basically a, a venue that functions with multiple different brands geared mostly for takeout and delivery. Uh, where we kind of differ a little bit is we actually do have, most of those places don't have storefronts. Where we actually have a patio and governor willing, we can actually start dining indoors we can start bringing people inside and, and feeding people as well as continuing the, the big uh, delivery and takeout business. So did the term ghost kitchen only come up post COVID? I mean, or, or is this something we had heard before? No, it, it was really starting to happen in the last, I don't know, couple of years. I mean, I, it just came on my radar, say within the last year. And I think it's really created by, and I, I don't quote me on this, but uh, the delivery apps themselves and, and the way they first functioned is you take a, a very successful restaurant that, say, Uber Eats or DoorDash is delivering a lot of their food, hence making a lot of money from that restaurant. That restaurant's at max capacity, so Uber Eats says, hey, we got this kitchen over here. Come teach our staff how to make your food so we can sell more of your product and make more money off of your product. So yeah. that's that's how they first came to exist, but it's also been a, a tactic of you know, single entrepreneur type uh, restaurant owners that want to sort of diversify their business. Maybe they're in something that's, it's a little outdated. They want to update and change and, and reach different demographics. I think that's a big part of it. And that's kind of part of what we're doing, where one brand may be for you, you love burgers and, and you get burgers there all the time, but some people don't eat burgers. Most people do, but some people don't. So then you, you have a salad concept or a breakfast concept or other different concepts. So you're, you're kind of expanding that demographic with the multiple brands within the, the one building. Right. If there was ever a test for restaurateurs, it has to come down to 2020. I mean, when I think <laughs> about, and you know, the hard part for me out of this entire episode is the fact that there are some industries doing not just, they're, they're not just surviving, they're thriving. thriving. Yeah. You know, the big digital doing fine, right? Sure. But you look at restaurant tours, places we love to go, not just for the food, but for the experience, for the connection to community, for a night out, all that. And it's been completely blown up. And you yeah. guys have had to face a virus, 
government shutdowns where the rules are changing every other week. Then you had a heat wave, crazy heat wave. Then you had fires and smoke. It's not like the heat's over yet. And now you're going to move into an era. And, and obviously, in terms of weather, we're more fortunate than much of the country. I mean, you can pretty much count on a decent September and October weather-wise. Yeah. But how hard is it out there? Tell, Give me an anecdote that ex- explains how difficult it is, not just for restaurant owners, but the people who work in restaurants. And we're just getting by before this all happened. Yeah, it is extremely challenging. Uh, you know, it's... The restaurant industry is, is 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 a challenging business anyway, and I, I and we're built for it. The people that are in it love it, and we like that challenge. But this is far beyond that because it's one again. It it changes every day. It's, you can't prepare for any of this. And even you know, I've watched. I, I you know, we just opened up with our operation just a couple of months ago, and I'd been watching some of my good friend restaurateurs with Patrick Mulvaney, you know well, dealing with what the the regulations were. Pivoting, doing the right things, putting an effort in dollars to do it right and make it happen, and then the very next day be told you can't see people in there. And I and I've I've watched multiple of my colleagues do this, and it's it's heartbreaking. Not only is it the financial loss and you know the effort wasted, but what the toll it takes on the morale of of the the leadership, but everyone down to the bottom. And I mean, it's you know it's you see you know restaurateurs and employers. Most restaurant employers really care about their employees a lot. And so not only with having to furlough them, but one's trying to make them work. Everybody's got to work a little harder because we've got to run short staffed. It's just, I mean, it really goes on and on. It's challenges. I mean, this is the ultimate challenge. Well, plus back in March and April, I mean, there were the stimulus checks that went out. There were the PPP loans a lot of restaurants got. And all that's gone now. That's that's in the rearview mirror. But the challenge still exists. It's still out there. You yeah. still got to jump the hurdle. And, and Congress has dithered in kind of getting anything out there to the people who need it to kind of complete that bridge. It's like the bridge is halfway across the river, but it's not all the way across the river. It really um, is. And it, and it is. It's, it's sort of a, a tease almost. And there's this kind of fake effort made. And you said one word that I think is so important with restaurants is community. We are so important to the community. And, and uh, you know, I know all the folks that are quarantined at home and working from home and cooking every one of their meals going for their kids and themselves, yeah. and they're going crazy. They want us. We want them. And it's something's got to give a little bit here. So yeah, and, and the sad part is you, the people who are in restaurants, I mean, for a lifetime, they're passionate about it. They're That's passionate it. about serving people. They're passionate about great food. They're passionate about hospitality, which is something we're lacking. I mean, which you, when you see it and feel it, you recognize it because well, it's not everywhere. And that's as, and, and we, we get some food out and we make some tasty food and we deliver it or people take it out, but we don't really get that opportunity for hospitality. I mean, I, my hospitality is like put a lot of effort into our packaging and things like that because that's the tiny little crumb of hospitality. Someone opens up their bag when it gets to their house. It's like, Hey, that's, that's a nice container. That's a nice napkin. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it literally, it's, our napkins are nice. They're that's not, right. the, you know, it's, right. and, but that, cause that's all we can do to offer that level of, of hospitality that we yeah. do so much yeah. enjoy giving. Yeah. The sad part obviously is to see some restaurants go away and not come back. Biba, Espanol, you gotta you know, have a bunch of them. Um, legends, you know, le- it's mind numbing and, it, and it's sad. It's their foundational pieces yeah. that are gone. And I understand it, but are you seeing it with, restaurant people i'm talking about workers owners are you seeing are you seeing yet anyone kind of throw up their hands and say i'm just done i mean i this is this is 
too hard, too much, and I've got to I've got to make sure that in three months I'm still putting food on my family's table as opposed to your table. Fortunately, I haven't seen a lot of that, but I have seen it, and it's there's a, there's a lot of restaurateurs and and that have great places that have been doing it for twenty years or more, or whatever, and just doing that is it's hard, and it, it, sometimes you don't want to say let go, but you know what? Sometimes it is time for folks to move on and say, Hey, it, it's just the fates talking. It's time to hang up the apron. Let's let somebody else do it. Let me go, you know, live my life. And I think it, it could be in some cases a good thing for a few people that, you know, they don't have the heart to just shut it down, but they probably deserve a better life and needed to get into some retirement and having fun and spending more time with kids and things like that. So I've seen a little bit of that, a little bit of that good side of like, you know, yeah. time to get out. So transition time. Yeah. Transition um, time. So Adam, tell me about, I mean, when I look out to 2023, 2024 and restaurants in Sacramento, now let's start with the premise that it's a little bit like climate change in that the climate's always changing, right? right. The question is, is it speeding up or changing in a very right. significantly right. different way? Restaurants were going to change anyway forget coronavirus, they were going to change anyway in a big way between 20 and 2024 because of technology, because of all the delivery systems that are now at scale and ready to serve you. But what do you think the restaurant scene in Sacramento will be like three years out, let's say, after this, when this is in our rear view mirror, because we've lost some foundational pieces, there will also be unbelievable opportunity for people who want to step into the breach. 100%. And I, uh, I'm part of that, the opportunity. I, you know, I'd always planned on coming back to Sacramento where I was last. I was actually in the Bay Area. I've been in the Bay Area for three years and, and enjoying it. Not triple digit heat. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was furloughed and, and was kind of somewhat forced back to town, which was, you know, it, it's good and bad. It, I'd planned on coming back at some time under my terms. Yeah. This isn't exactly the terms that I was looking for, but... At the same time, there there is some opportunities, and that's why I'm here. and And those opportunities are going to keep coming. Unfortunately, you know, there it's it's the sacrifice of others and and seeing some places go. But there is for those that are persevering and for those that that want to keep doing this thing, there is going to be great opportunity. I think that the restaurant industry was kind of hitting a bubble here in Sacramento for sure, probably in a lot of other places. I you know, I mean, Sacramento. We've got a great growing restaurant scene and still not quite enough of the the market to really get them all fed, if you know what I mean. I mean, it's there's some great restaurants, but to keep all of them thriving, you need a lot of people. So, you know, there's a little bit of a reset happening here. And, you know, once we kind of get over this hill a little bit, I think business is going to be great for the people that have been able to make it through this. Do you think, uh, you know, when I think about people's living habits and it seems anyway, now, whether or not this lasts or not, but it seems like for the last six months, we've seen an exodus from highly dense areas to less dense areas, whether it's to suburbs, whether it's to smaller towns, whether it's to the mountains. Do you think we're going to see a spreading of restaurants uh, in a more pronounced way? Or do you think the restaurants who really want to make it will still attempt to do it in a downtown core, wherever it is, Sacramento, San Francisco, LA? You know, I, I mean, I, I definitely think it depends on the city. And, you know, I, especially here in Sacramento, I mean, we've, there's a, just so many great sort of uh, housing projects going on right now. I mean, some wonderful development. You know, one of the good things about this thing and all the, the Bay Area tech folks that I think we're starting to gather a lot of them. I've been even ones in my industry, but 
again, more the, the tech ones that are coming and well, they can work from home and they don't need to pay the San Francisco rents and they're, they're selling their homes for $3 million and buying a really nice place for 800000 in Sacramento <laughs> or something like that. So I've been kind of working in and around downtown over the last 10, 15, even more years. It's always been a challenge and it's I'm hoping that that we do see that density sort of stay and downtown Sacramento to become a little more of a gem and more of a cosmopolitan downtown like yeah. a, a Dallas or a, a Seattle or something like that. And that was the whole idea behind the arena and putting it downtown opposed to where it was. And before. we were making we were making steps oh with that. God, we were, we were downtown, getting there. And this is this has been a big step back. January it seemed like downtowns were just ready to bloom. I mean yeah. the rail yards were just starting to get right. going and and now it's a mess for the time being, but hopefully it all starts to shake itself out here. Let's talk to me about delivery. Now I know you're you rely on all these delivery services for what you do. Do you have a favorite delivery service for restaurant food? You know I don't, and I, and I'm I'm still pretty new to it. It's it's interesting. I still actually live in San Rafael in the market, looking around trying to find a new place here in Sacramento. But so but I stay here mostly during the week, and then I go home on my days off into San Rafael and. I rarely leave my house at that point. I'm just like, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm beat from the week and I just, I, I take advantage of the place that I'm never in, <laughs> but yeah. pay for. And I, I use delivery services, one, because I don't want to leave, but two, to kind of check them out and see who's better than what. And I haven't had enough greater experience to really kind of pick a favorite. They all seem to have their ups and downs. And I, I, I got to get sort of the chart out and start comparing. I've done sort of these polls on Facebook as well. And you'll it's all over the place. And, yeah. and you'll see that certain places feature different restaurants and, you know, different mileages where the, you know, where their, their delivery radius and whatnot. So I think DoorDash has probably been the one that we've worked with the most. And I don't know if that's because of the client or if it's because of just web traffic or how, how that happens. We're not really sure. And I think for a while we're going to use, you know, we're using, I think four of them right now and we'll use them all. I'm hoping that on the other end of this, because as everybody knows, they're really taking advantage of restaurants. I mean, the, the fees are, are pretty ridiculous. And in most cases, they seem to be double dipping because they're they're charging the end user as well. And that just doesn't make sense to me because, OK, if you've got the big fees, well, then we're going to let's let's jack our prices up a little bit to sort of compensate for that. But then the, the customer needs to pay extra money on top of that. And then it's just it becomes unaffordable for the customer who we really care about. We want to give the, the customer our product right. at, at the best price that we can. And, and these guys are sort of getting in the way, but also a necessary evil. So I'm I'm hoping to see some level of competition. And it I don't know if they're all just, if they've got some sort of thing going on, but I mean, I, I, I would hope that there's competition and that they start fighting for the business and you want to pick one because they're good at this or they're cheaper yeah. or whatever. Digital is where I think vendors started double-ending the fees. You know, when you think of StubHub, sure, you know, they hit the buyer and they hit the seller. They get you over they, here and they get you over here. <laughs> that's and, right. And hey, I mean, it's... Coming or going. Yeah. So let's uh, start to wrap things up. Uh, Adam, this has been great because it, it really is, I've got to be honest with you, I just feel incredible empathy and admiration for people in the restaurant business, those who are doing everything they can. I mean, I didn't even throw in the protests that were downtown and shut it down for a while and everyone wearing yeah. masks and, <laughs> and you're just, at, you're right. You pivot, you change, you move, you try to be flexible. And, and then for one reason or another, often government directed the rules change again. You know, the only, the, the only upside of, of kind of this is that it's, it's like training, like we're training really hard and it's making a lot of us better because yeah. we're having to, we're forced to do some of these things. And I've 
watched a lot of my peers really just pulling out all the stops to make things happen. And, you know, again, when things come back to normal, we've got almost these, these new toolkits yeah. that we can apply to, to just help make business better. So, I mean, it's, there is some upsides. It's just, you know, it, it is tough on us and, but we're tough people and we're going to get through it. And the people who do come through it, will be able to do so with great confidence. They'll be like, hey, we just, we just endured that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it should be a pretty uh, much easier going forward. Yeah. Last question for you. Go back to when you were in school, your last day in school, your first full-time day in a restaurant. What would you tell yourself that day that you have learned over the succeeding 15, 18, 20 years, whatever it's been, that you would want to know that you didn't have any clue about? But uh, would have been very instructive at the time. I would tell myself, take these great cooking skills and cook wonderful meals for your friends and families and go to med school and become a surgeon. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I would have been good at that, too. Do you th I think so. <laughs> I'm You're good right. with sharp blades. I mean, it's, you that, know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, Adam, great to have you. Yeah, Congratulations. Adam Peckle. The restaurant is Tiger. And there are multiple brands out of the ghost kitchen known as Tiger. There's Correct. Cali Bird. That's right. What else? Adam Burger. Adam Burger. And then we've got our Tiger Bottle Service, which is something, you know, one of these good things that we're able to take advantage of, that we're actually selling full-batched cocktails in bottles that you can have delivered to your house. So if you're missing the bar scene a little bit and you want to have a little shindig at your place, you can come on our website and buy actual, you know, nice crafted mixologist cocktails by the bottle. And he's at 7th on the block, 7th and K. We're, we're 722K Street. Okay. You can get us at tiger700block.com. That'll get you into everything there. That's awesome. Um, and then we've got new stuff coming, too. We've got a breakfast concept on the way. And we're going to start seeing a little bit of my old place, Thule Bistro. Yeah. We're going to start seeing some dishes from there. So Adam Peckle never stops moving. He's always trying to go where the puck is going to be, right? <laughs> yeah. Adam, good yep. to see you. Yep. Thanks, Thanks so much. Brother. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Buy Sci-Fi, Bite Size Finance. The program is supported in part by Genevieve Burford & Brothers. If you liked what we served up today, please give us your ratings, subscribe, and by all means, share. Music for the show produced locally by Kitty O'Neill and her band, Skylar's Pool. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Genevieve Burford & Brothers Wealth and Retirement Plan Management, LLC. Royal Alliance Associates is separately owned, and products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates. The discussions and opinions expressed are intended for informational purposes only and do not constitute solicitation, investment advice, or recommendation. Neither Genevieve Burford & Brothers nor Royal Alliance Associates offer tax or legal services.